Hey everyone, and uh, welcome back to episode 24. Um, this week's on Ross's Rants that I've been away for... Three months. Three months. It has been three months. Um, so this, this time, I have a special guest, a friend, and someone that I actually enjoy the opinion of. Um, yeah. Jill. I, I can't say your last name because <laughs> it's just some Polak name. That well, no, well, that's on my dad's side, <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit more south of Poland. <laughs> more a south little more of relevant. Ukraine, yeah. Well, Hungarian, but yeah, a little more Ukraine. Apparently, you know, record according to my twenty-three andme genetic profile. Uh. Yeah, a little more Ukraine and Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's the episodes, just me and her having a conversation and just bullshitting. And like I normally start off by saying this, that if there is some mental health issues that you're going through and personal stuff that you can't fucking solve the answers, there's a suicide hotline that you need to get a hold of or also talk to a friend. Friends also mean a lot of stuff. Friends, brothers, people you serve with, anything. Just make sure you don't end up doing a permanent solution to a problem that can be solved. So, Jill, <laughs> I just want um, for you to just uh, tell everybody who you are. <laughs> yeah, well, how much should I get in? I guess I'll be kind of general here. Um, grew up Western Pennsylvania. Left home at 19 with $1,500 in my pocket. Two cars, and that's it. No job. Nothing. I didn't have anything lined up. I moved with two friends to Wilmington, and I didn't have any goals, any direction in life. Yeah. I don't know if you know the story. I no, I, re- I really didn't know the story. Like, I, oh, I, I mean, like for people that didn't know, she went to Wilmington, North Carolina, not Wilmington, where Brandon's Delaware. from. Yeah, <laughs> Wilmington, North Carolina. We have, uh, my family for a long time has been going to the Outer Banks, so I was always drawn to North Carolina. And okay. I wanted to, I really loved the beach at the time. But I wanted to move to North Carolina because I enjoyed our vacation so much. But, you know, realizing, you know, when you move to the beach, a place where you normally associate vacation with, but then you actually live that, you start to realize it's not, you know, a vacation is like getting away. Yeah. It, may, it might not be like what you actually want in life. And I realize it's not what I want. Like, I love the mountains. <laughs> and it took me to move away from the mountains to the beach to realize my heart is really in the mountains but i lived there for a year and a half and then learned a lot of things about life and ended up in raleigh for another six years or so and went back to college and studied science and now i'm in research and development on enzymes for the wheat and corn industry brewing is a big part of my project right now actually getting into distilling um 
yeah it's it's pretty cool things have worked out but life has been real crazy i left in 20 2009 so i've been kind of wandering for 13 years <laughs> i mean we all i mean in some certain sense we all kind of wander anyways so it, um, yeah. i mean we, <laughs> we're all drifting and trying to figure out what we're doing in the cesspool um <laughs> The funny part is my dog's looking at me right now like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I need attention. You haven't yeah. given me attention. And, and I mean, like, so, like... I mean... So what did you... Um, so you moved out to the mountains, which, mm-hmm. which me and you has had this conversation before. Where you moved out to the mountains, in which by far... North Carolina mountains is probably one of my favorite places. Me like too. hands down, like um, me and you just talked about this before. So you went to college out in App State and you got to see, yeah, the broad <laughs> expre- uh, was... the you know the, the whole broad expectation of uh, of Western North Carolina, Western yeah, North Carolina, rural. like yeah, Watauga County. Sugar Grove, part of Otago County. I think that's like the, the yeah. corner. And it, it, it's I mean, very rural. Oh, yeah. No, it's it, it's a very... I didn't get to live out there and haven't got to experience it, but I've also drove through it where driving through it and driving through the mountains are just like fucking metal as fuck. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, it's, it's... I don't really... Since... I don't know how much we should get into, but since leaving Pennsylvania, and there's a lot of backstory behind why I left, but when I left Pennsylvania and went to Wilmington and went to Raleigh, and then when I finally made my way to Western North Carolina, I never Mm -hmm. felt at home until I went to Western North Carolina. And I still don't feel that way. I still move around, you know. (laughs) I bounce around a lot in, like, Piedmont area. But I mean, I it's know, there's just, something about Western North Carolina. I, I mean, it's just, it's just the uh, the views, man. Like, yeah. like uh, I I think I probably sent you that story of me just driving through the mountains from Tennessee down to yeah. like I had to cut over to go to Raleigh, and I'm like the whole time I'm just sitting there, I'm like, fuck, this is 40? so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had to drop down from I. I don't even remember the highway I was on, but it didn't really matter because I was living through the moment. And it was just me and Thor, and like me and Thor just driving through the mountains, and <laughs> the whole time I was just like, "Fuck." Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It like it comes. From, you know that saying where like the mountains are calling and I must go like. That's what I feel. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, I mean, yeah. it, it really is. It's one of those where you're just, like, the scenery is unexplainable. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, like, so, like, I've been doing on these trips, like, when I go on road trips or travel or going in different locations, I don't take pictures. Like, I take, like, one or two, and then that's it. Because mm-hmm. I want to live in the moment. I want, I want to live that refreshing moment of life that something that's not tying us to technology or tying us to 
society. Like it's yeah. just the yeah. the open part of being a part of this beautiful planet that you know we take advantage of. Yeah, there. So a really good recommendation next time you go to Western North Carolina is to use a Garmin because the Garmin will take you on dirt roads to get to somewhere. And your phone necessarily won't do that all the time. But I've noticed with my Garmin, if I'm trying to go, like, let's say I'm trying to go to Mount Mitchell, north of, like, uh, northeast of Asheville, I'll use the Garmin to take the back roads, and it'll take me through dirt roads. And then you see really? some unreal stuff. Yeah, like, wow. just the unbeaten path. Yeah, it happens all the time. That's, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that would be something definitely worth for, like, you know, um the checkout like i mean like the the best part was um i mean you know the situation that i'm in and everything else and like i was looking at renting an old <laughs> as you spill your drink Sorry. Um, i'm looking at a i was looking at an old like i was doing the whole airbnb thing and i was looking at like out towards the mountains, towards Boone, Asheville, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even though Asheville is more popular, yeah. I was looking on the outskirts of things and I found an old retired, like, um, Christmas tree farm, which the view that they have on that farm mm -hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So. North Car Western North Carolina, I don't know if you know this, but I believe Western North Carolina is the number one producer of Christmas trees in the United States. Yeah. The I'm conditions and the climate and the geography, everything's in place to make so, like, yeah, Christmas so, tree farms. <laughs> yeah. So it's crazy <laughs> to actually hear that because um, you're not the first person that said that. Yeah, it's true. So when I was talking to somebody about the, it's the retire Christmas tree farm, and I'm like, how do you retire of like mm. a tree farm? And I guess it's because they cut all the trees down, and they, you know, they're the roots, and yeah. it's it kind of remind me of back in the day, like with farming and stuff, why they don't do corn all the time. They switch over the beans, and then they go back to corn after. Mm -hmm two to three years is mm -hmm. because they have already used the resources from the roots mm -hmm. and from the, the the dirt the fertilization is already it's, it's yeah. spent for that time period so they have to change it yeah so uh what you're speaking on is different crops i know a little bit about this because this is where my work is but so, like, with corn versus wheat or soybean or sorghum, like, they all require different elements or, like, different types of, you know, compounds yeah. to, you know, grow. So, like, corn will require a different profile than wheat will. And so they'll grow corn until the ground's exhausted, and then they'll rotate their crops. Because if you keep growing the same, sub the same crop over and over again, you'll... You'll stress it because it's already been depleted. Yeah, the it, it, it would grow less versus, yeah. Um, yeah. from what I've learned, not from what you learn from your mm -hmm. field and everything, is from what I learned from like family members that are farmers, mm -hmm. is it just stressed the plant more and then it won't produce as much as that you want. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I guess it's kind of, 
kind of like returning you know the fertilizer back into the earth the ground has to recover yeah. i don't know how much like when they do monocropping monocrop farming i'm sure they they return a certain amount of nitrogen or a certain profile back into the ground to replenish like now what the ground needs what I don't is know so the minor cropping so monocropping would be using like one let's say you have like corn Okay. You just grow corn everywhere. Yeah. That would be like a monocrop instead of using like a section of the farm for corn and a section for sorghum and a section okay. for soy or whatever. So like in Person County where I live or I'm up on in northern central North Carolina, they do soybean, tobacco, and wheat. And they rotate out wheat with, um, I think they rotate wheat with soy. But yeah. They have to switch it out every, like, two years Yeah, because of that. I mean, like, where I'm from in Ohio, it's uh, corn and soy. So mm-hmm. it's switching every few years. It's so they'll do all soy and then all corn a few yeah. years later? Not at the same time? I mean, it depends on the farm and how yeah. big the farmland is. But, it, it, like, you'll see two years straight of corn, and then it'll be... Soy, soy for two years, yeah. and then they rotate again, and and like I said, that like what I was always taught, it was the, you know, like you're trying to keep the ground still fertile and not, yeah, exactly, like using yeah. all the resources. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, that yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, all of this is, it's a very mature industry. Like all of that is very well. I mean, we've been doing it for... For decades, centuries. Thousands, yeah, (laughs) thousands of years. Yeah, uh, Be precise. Yeah. I mean, we we might not have done it this precise, you know, like with with you being in the uh, R&D community and um, setting the whole platform of that and changing, like, I mean, like, science is constantly changing. Like, it constantly is. Unless you get on the subject of COVID, and then it's a different story, right? Like, I mean, like, science is, um, it should be, like, in my opinion, like, not as a person in science, because, um, well, I'm autistic as fuck, but... (laughs) When it comes down to it, like the science point and to me, like looking outside in, is that it should constantly change and it should constantly be there. There should be questions. I want to say something about that. What you just said, okay, <laughs> that bothers me a lot. So, I I started. I went back to school. Like as an adult, about ten years ago, I went. I changed my career to science, and I really don't believe science changes. Like how how we adopt to the information we learn is what changes. Like there's some things that just will never change, but how we learn from that and how we design a study to to show those differences like how to better design an experiment to show what you want to look for without a bias that is how that is what changes so like what you're alluding to is mm-hmm. a, it's us learning from 
learning from results that were convoluted and kind of unclear and then applying that knowledge to the next set of experiments to better clarify what we want to look at because when you initially start something that's unknown you don't really know exactly what you're getting yourself into you have to just go in and then you run through the experiment and you see the results and you're like oh i didn't count for this and i didn't okay i didn't know this was going to happen and so then you like kind of you adopt that and you consider it into your next experiment and then you can eliminate that bias to really see what you want to look at and when people say i mean i'm not like you know this is just just me you know but <laughs> like when people say science changes it's like science in itself doesn't change but how we interpret science that's what changes and I think that's what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, in a sense, yes. Um, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say that, like, I mean, also, I have a, barely have a college education. And if you want to really say it's a college education yeah, at that. Uh, I have that piece of paper that said I did something. I did. I, well, happened <laughs> too, but. Yeah. Um, but, no, in a sense, like, no, I, I, I get what you're saying partially, but also... It could be the ignorance that I have to the the overall knowledge of it. Like to me, like I feel like science is constantly going to be like a hypothesis, mm-hmm. and then like until it's set in stone, it's a theory. Which that's like basic fucking science to me, in my opinion, is like okay, we have a whole bunch of like we're going to question this, and we have questions until it's actually set in stone. This is how theories work. And once theories go that way, we don't, like, it's proven, like, hands down, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm getting at. I don't know if you, like... Yeah. It's so complicated. You can spend years I mean, it's looking complicated. at one thing. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's so hard because, like, when you're... In undergrad, I led a research lab. Okay. Uh, we were, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but we were looking at heritage apples in Western North Carolina, and we were compiling the, this is, so I'm just going to say it. But. So in a sense, you're a botanist. It, that was very, botan- yeah, that was okay. very much like a botany type of work in my undergrad. So we were, were quantifying triterpenes. Which are actually close to, they're they're like um, it's kind of like almost like a carbohydrate. Okay. It has a couple cyclic carbon rings, but we were anyway. We were wanting to look at these because they had some anti-carcinogenic, anti-inflammatory benefits. These compounds, and they're called um, um, non-nutritive components. They're phytochemicals so it's not a macro and it's not a micro it's not a protein or fat or carb and it's not your ADEK minerals or your B vitamins it's something else that make so it's what makes your food different than a pill like you can take a supplement to get your profile of what you need Mm -hmm. but 
you can also take a food, you know, like an apple or fruit or whatever, yeah. and it's going to give you a lot more than that pill does, even though maybe some parts of the profile is the same. But we are looking at some of these other components that makes the food active, like in the body, and helping to fight like disease. And what was the initial question? <laughs> I can't remember. But basically, I, I did that work for two years, and it, it led to a clinical trial we did in Lenore, which I don't know if you know, Lenore, North Carolina is the furniture, furniture factory of North Carolina. No, I didn't. Bernhardt Furniture Factory. I did a clinical trial there. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I think the question of what we were getting at wasn't really a question because I didn't ask anything. We were uh, just we were just kind of ranting. Just <laughs> ranting on the whole subject of like uh, the theory oh, of the theory. Um, yeah. like how science like we definitely view science in a different matter because like with some of the things that you were saying I was just like fuck dude I have no knowledge on this it's yeah well okay so this is what I'm saying is like when it's so this is what I'm getting at is it's so complicated every step of the way in research has a hundred things you know, to, yeah, to consider. I mean, there, there's so many variables. There's so that. many things you have to account for. And you have to rely on these people to be genuine in their reporting of the data. And you have to rely on them to be unbiased and unmotivated to change the results in the, the way that would make the project look better for the investors yeah. of the project. But do you think over... Okay, now we're going to go down... <laughs> now we're going down the rabbit hole. Do you Sorry. think that some of the... Um, so, do you think investors have changed their views on the way we do science, as in a science more on a political scale, versus actually doing science for the research value? Okay. so yes and I want to tell you a little story so okay Uh, when I when I started this new transition to this career in science first career was automotive collision repair like, like we talked about that earlier well, about yes but I mean <laughs> but let me let's let's not get it off subject but we'll explain this that I've like I came from a place of zero knowledge that's what I'm getting at is yeah. like I was like okay I, I want to go back to school I want to go to science and because I want to be the unbiased answer I don't want any um, any bribery or influence in my decisions because I think that's what science is But what I'm getting at is when I was going through my program, uh, one of my professors, the one I was working under in this research lab, his name is Dr. Martin Root. He worked out of Cornell, the um, bio-nutritional lab of Colin D. Camel, the China study. Anyway, uh, he, he showed me a study that was done in 2014, 2015, and it was the University of Colorado in looking at um, high cal- how cal- high caloric sugary beverages and their relationship with overweight obesity and um, other like comorbidities with like you know cardiovascular disease and hypertension and diabetes 
And well, you're look. He showed me this study. Okay, I w- this was me in college, and I was like, okay, so the study by the University of Colorado has found no correlation with high sugar beverages and overweight obesity and diabetes. But then he told me, look at who, look at who funded the study. And it was Coca-Cola. <laughs> well, the also, the, wasn't it the, uh, the saying about Coca-Cola, like the owner said that I'll let everybody else drink a Coca-Cola, but like my family will never drink it. Oh, and it's the same thing with Moderna. Really? It's the exact same thing. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the CEO of Moderna and his wife. I mean, I, I think that's... I will have to actually look at that. Look because it up. this is an interesting... Uh, the, actually, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> we can pull it up. We can pull some Joe Rogan shit out on <laughs> But yeah, um, I, anyway, what you're asking was... And I just wanted to give you an example of what like triggered me to start really thinking about these things without having somebody tell me how to think about these things is like, yeah, I definitely think investors and funders uh, heavily influence the results of research and development. And it's always important to look at who's funding the study. Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely something to look at who's going to funding. And, and like I said, I'm going to try to look this up. So it's definitely worth the talking about. I can send you it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so not right now, but yeah. Because, well. like, um, it's an interesting thing that, like, um, I mean, what sucks about it, because, like, I think the, what's his name, Anomaly or Dream Care or whatever yeah, his name is, yeah, yeah. pulled up, like, a couple of years ago before the whole COVID things that came out, that scientists, scientists, were being influenced by interest groups to pull towards their narrative, right? And and it, it and like me, me and you have a well in depth conversations, and like this is one of the first times that me and you is having a conversation where we're actually talking about this. Yeah. And being recorded, so that it can be on the on on this podcast. Um, it's a, it, it, it was an interesting take on certain things that, like, um, you know, introduces for political parties and stuff that's motivating science. And I'm just like, what was always brought to my attention was just like, this is the same fucking conversation that Galileo had when he said the world wasn't fucking flat. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a greater power. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, like... Yeah. I'm just explaining this to you like a caveman guy because I spent most of my time doing dumb shit and fucking like throwing rocks at fucking windows. This is a broken glass theory on that one. Um, but, I mean, it, overall, like, science should not be biased. This is from my opinion. Like, science should not be biased because it should be something that is open. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a broader spectrum that we can't, like... There's no yes or no. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, very, very gray. And this is me looking on the outside in. So for you to work on in, in the science field, and 
and like me and you has talked about this and it's a very interesting conversation that me and you has had about the whole COVID situation, everything else, protein supplements that I take and yeah. overall, um, it's interesting because it seems like people just want a yes or no. Yeah. And yeah, they do. I think I think that comes to part of the laziness of not trying to search search for the answers. Um, like I don't want a yes and no in a lot of things because like I don't know I try to like do the whole gray man thing I guess mm-hmm. and my friends are gonna make fun of that the guys I work with, <laughs> um, but it's kind of like that gray man area that you want to try to be in where you're like. You don't have a yes or no. You don't have the answers. Um, Maybe I'm not using the right terms for it, but you just want to stay balanced, I guess, because you can't say yes 100% because life throws that variable that where it's just like, boom, in your face, this is what is happening. Um, And I think that's what's great about science because it's always been interesting. Not something that I want to go further in depth outside of being like, a fanboy or two or whatever in that nature, if you want to call it that way. It's just people now is looking for the yes or no. Yeah. They don't want to spend the time to dig in it because people don't have the time. It's so complicated. I mean, it is. I mean, with the, with science is like overall and whatever spectrum it is like, uh, I mean, like, like, let's look at space, right? Like, we go into the space conversations, but, like, space is, like, infinite. Yeah. Like, how many planets do you think is out there is going through the same phase that we're going through with woke white women? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how many, how many <laughs> phases do we have where there's people literally like me and you went to the game tonight, right? We we went to the hockey game tonight down here, and there's people flying Ukraine flags already. And that was like a month, a month into this. Not even, not even a month. Yeah, that yeah. was last week of February. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah it was about two weeks, I think. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah. People, I mean, everyone, you know, generally we're going to respond to, I think most people enjoy like a community community aspect of like banding together and standing together for like the greater good and stuff. And that's great. But what is going on today is so complicated, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and whatever. Fly your Ukrainian flags in North Carolina. But yeah, which is weird. You're flying a flag in America that's not an American. Yeah, flag. and it's like, what are they actually like? Are they donating? You know, are, are they, they actually Ukrainian? Help? Maybe they're Ukrainian. I mean, if they are Ukrainian, then, then I can. Yeah. That's but at the same time, uh, Teddy Roosevelt said it best: "You don't fly another flag if you're an immigrant here. You don't fly another flag unless it's American." So, yeah. I mean, at that sense, I mean, like. We can say what we want to about the um, our past presidents, but Teddy Roosevelt was the last man that I think is a president that has confliction. 
Like, he was actually... Like, the dude got shot on stage and got back up and gave his speech. Like, you know, he was a, yeah. he was a genuine fucking dude. And for him to say that, the, like, that is the, what the uh, American imperialism, if they in quotation wants to call it. Um, but, I mean, I don't think you should fly a Ukrainian flag in America. And I don't think you... It's the same thing with, like, um, so me being pretty much... Excuse me. Um... I think 80% Irish or so. I'm not going to go whip out an Ireland flag because I don't live in Ireland. And I'm not, and like, and to mm-hmm. them, I'm not considered Irish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, why would you do that here? Yeah. Which makes it's mind boggling, especially the situation with the Ukraine and Russia. And me and you can get in the conversation about it and I can explain my views on it, but I don't know it because I'm not there. Yeah. You're not there. Nobody's there unless you're there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unfortunate because like it's what the media is playing on this is that Ukraine, 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 and like we should feel sorry for them and I'm like but they're holding their own and Russia hasn't really done anything and it's probably one of the most like from my point of view the quietest invasion I've ever seen oh really yeah yeah. I mean like well you gotta think like we were we were teens probably in 2003, of like I was um, 17 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 16. Um, we invaded Iraq. Mm-hmm. And that was like three days of bombing. Like just bombing the capital. Like straight bombing. Who knows during that time period how long we were there. Yeah. But like this one's like, oh, they bombed a couple cities and now they're struggling and... This is where we're at. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the whole situation just is kind of one of those. Just like, I mean, I mean, I personally, I don't wish that upon anybody because I don't want people to go through the shit I went through, and let alone going through shit that's going to be far worse yeah. than what you know anybody else is experiencing the whole GWAT campaign. Mm-hmm. So, you know what really bothers me about this whole thing? What is there's no talk about Yemen. Yeah. Like, the, nobody's talking about the whole Yemen situation. Which, that situation got dropped in, right when Trump got elected, when they tried to pull that shit, that it was his fault from the past operations. But it's funny because, like, they can say that, but when something fails towards Biden, it's a change, like... That was from the past administration. Yeah. And I was just like, well, you're willing to throw... Like that... We're still maybe, there, though. We're yeah. Still, yeah. We're still there, and we're still doing bad shit. Yeah. And, like, it's just one of those, like... I knew when Biden got elected by his cabinet what we are going to do. Like, it's a bunch of warmongers. And the the yeah. problem is, is, like, me and you has had this conversation before, and me and you has talked about it. And the problem that I have, and it doesn't matter who you put the face to the presidency is or whatnot, 
it's that the people who are willing to just send someone else's sons to go sons and daughters now mm-hmm. to go fight for a war that we shouldn't be involved which is, is a, totally against what our founding fathers has um, what they wanted overall we shouldn't be fighting we, we shouldn't be involved in foreign policy with other nations and especially like when we spend this much money in defense, we're spending that much money in defense because other nations don't. And that's why they got medical. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about how American medical is fucked up and is capitalism and all this other stuff. And it's <laughs> just like, but we spend $900 billion defending the world. And we shouldn't. Because no. the world hasn't gave us anything other than, like, the Statue of Liberty and... More problems. So <laughs> you gave us More two death. things. Yeah. You didn't yeah. give me what I want. And like nobody has. And then like unfortunately like I hate to say it like with the liberals supporting this whole Ukraine situation. I'm like dude I was already in the fucking. I was in the shit mm-hmm. with my friends. And, my, and there's guys that were in worse situations than I was in the shit. And it's just like we fought for freedom, and then when the fall of Afghanistan happened, we were sitting there and we were like, "That's how you feel about me." Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, yeah, it's just like a switch. Like yeah, that. that's how you feel about me. Yeah. You're willing to put us in another war for what? Something that has nothing to do with this. Let's yeah. view the overall picture. What we see is a basic level, not the in-depth level of Ukraine and Russia's beef or whatever, the cousin's beef or the whatever you want to call it. NATO wants to put fucking bases around Russia. Mm-hmm. America has to, wants to put more missile silos around Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine also has been known and always will be known for being a corrupt government, a corrupt country that U.S. has had ties to of doing corruption. We can't say this is not true. The only reason why people don't want to talk about it is because who the president is right now. Mm -hmm. But your son was in charge of a company that he has no ties to. And has never like been in that role and has no skills other than your last name, which don't get me wrong. Like there's in every life, there's somebody's son that is living off of someone's legacy. You're talking about Burisma Holdings. Yes. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah. So why? What I don't understand is why is Hunter Biden involved in Burisma Holdings in Ukraine? Like this was what 2014. This was yeah. when he was a vice president. And I, what I was reading about was he was working for them. And I don't really understand that whole story. He'd probably to fight for his fucking addiction that he has to fucking crack. <laughs> Since he likes to dig in the carpet for Parmesan cheese. Let's just be honest about it. I mean, like, let's yeah. just say, let's call it spade <laughs> what a spade is. Like, I mean, like, this conversation that we're having is probably going to be marked as extremeness. And I don't give a fuck because okay. it's not extremeness because your it's son real. is, your son is the most corrupt dude ever. Like, even during this policy, like, okay. As a president, sitting president, your son has an art gallery. The dude has no skill in art. I know he doesn't have skill in art because he smokes crack. 
Like, I don't care what artist is out there. I would, like, literally give him a pen and a pad and be like, draw me, and he'd probably draw a stick figure. Let's have the conversation about that. Nobody else is having the conversation. They're like, well, he's better than mean tweets. Mean tweets. Mean tweets. Yeah. Well, you know, the Biden administration is trying to... You know, remove the demoralization of crack with their handouts. With the you saw this. Yeah, I seen it's, that. And then like, yeah, there's a Snapchat page. It's like trying to normalize. The yeah. Use with information on how to use properly, and not information on how to get off of the addiction and get help. Yeah. No, it makes sense. <laughs> like, I mean, it's as far um, as I know, that's what it is. There was actually so it makes sense, but anyway, it's like what I was saying. There's a Snapchat page that I follow. It's called the Left, Right, and Center, and the dude makes fun of everybody. It's a comical page, right? But it is true. But like, I've listened to this on Joe Rogan's podcast, where it was the can't think of his name, but he wrote multiple books. And he was the left-wing guy that has gone to just whatever, mm-hmm. what he is. And he said, progressivism is the end. And I think that's what his book is called. And what he was explaining is, is that what the, like, to me, it makes sense of doing that with the, uh, the addiction problem. And I think that's more of the libertarian side that I am that has to do with what Spain and... Portugal is doing with their drug problems, right? Like you, so you create these districts where it's just like, go do the, your poison. Like how we can go walk down to a bar and have a few drinks and be fine, or we can drink from home, right? Go do your poison. Nobody cares. But once you reach out a line, that's when we should start seeking for help, mm-hmm. and that's when we should create more help problems, which in a sense, makes sense because if you're addicted to crack, they're not going to let you into that district without getting help. Like, we choose, like, you shouldn't ban things because you say, hey, we should ban this because people are doing this. Like, I get the whole, the war on drugs, drugs won. Mm -hmm. Like, that was a stupid fucking thing. Yeah. And it is probably because fucking Pablo Escobar fucking mushroom stamped fucking Reagan during that time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the real answer to that. But the war on drugs drugs won. Because, like, look at the deaths from opioids. Look at the deaths from, like, drugs overall. I'm looking mm-hmm. at, like, everything in the past, like, more, 40 years. Yeah, and it's higher now than ever because that's all we do is we buy into this pharmaceutical bullshit that, like, pharmaceutical drugs is going to save us. They don't. What we should do is look into more research programs and let them have their addictions at the same time to a certain extent where it's just like, yo, dude, like, if you want to go smoke crack, you can go smoke crack, but also understand that if you're doing it, like, more than times than what I think you're going to do it, then you should probably get some help. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, we should just legalize it across the board. These areas didn't legalize it across the board in the spectrum. They kind of neutralized You're their... talking about Portugal? Yeah, Portugal. 
Um, Portugal kind of like neutralized it into certain areas that you're allowed to go to. Okay. That's the same thing with like when I went to Austria and like you can buy prostitutes and you can drink and you can do whatever you want, but you can't own guns. And I'm like, that's kind of weird, but I can literally do a partial libertarian future, hmm. which I was just like, that's cool, but I should be able to buy a tank. And buy a prostitute and snort crack off her ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. In Portugal, you can do crack legally. I mean, I don't know if you can do... Or it's not... I don't know if you can do crack, but I, can, I know that you definitely can do your personal choice of drugs. Yeah. And they have districts for it. Okay. I didn't know that. And, yeah... They have this. Well, I didn't know about it until that guy went on Joe. Um, I think it's like uh, Scheisenberg or whatever okay, his name I'll is. It's, and yeah. and it's like one of the. It's before he had the one scientist on there and everybody made a big deal about it. Robert W. Malone. Before him. Um, actually, I will literally Google him. Yeah. Um, but they probably so in these districts you're talking about they probably have services in place you know if people are willing to accept help I mean they I mean, do I mean yeah there's gotta be something there I would hope you know if they're um, you know they have brought down like the punishment on the crime Michael Schellenberg. Schellenberg. Okay, I've heard of him. And his book was called San Francisco. And then San Francisco is spelled C-K-O at the end. And then it's like, why progressive ruined cities? That's his latest book that he made. And he talked about it as in a sense of like, he was just explaining the whole like drug help thing and like how addicts are. So like, that's what we were talking about earlier in the day, right? Like Mm -hmm. me and he was talking about this and I said that uh, there's people need discipline. Yeah. In a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so like I enjoyed the work structure that I have overseas because I set a structure and it's do my job, work out, eat healthy, talk to friends, play video games, do this in order, do this in order. Mm-hmm. So an addict, like we're we're all addicts in the sense of um, what is it? Idle yeah, hands. Yeah. Idle hands is the devil's playground, right? Like so. Um, like you like working on cars, you have like you spend a lot of time keeping yourself busy, mm-hmm. and I, and like it, like I said, is that I feel humans by nature need structure. Yeah. We need discipline. We need a certain set of discipline. Yeah. But there's two types of discipline. There is the government control set of discipline, which is them enforcing their will on top of you. And then there's the self-governing. So these are your two types that you have. Self-governing is is that, like, yes, when you have free time, you can do whatever you want. Like I said, I do whatever I want during my free time. But I don't like having idle hands. Because when I'm overseas or when I'm working 
any other job. I like to have a set schedule. I like to have my time. I like to have my workout time. I like to have my time that I spend with Thor. And, and the same goes with you, is that you go to work, you work in cars, you're building your house, you're building your property and everything else. Mm -hmm. So when they're an addict, they just have so much time. So the structure that they're building is that giving an addict a structure, as yeah. in you wake up at this time, you have breakfast at this time, you go to work at this time, you finish your work, you start making dinner, you finish dinner, you eat dinner, you watch a television show for an hour, and you go to bed. Yeah. And that's their day. And I think with issuing crack pipes, which is fucking hilarious, <laughs> um, it's their kind of way of like, you can have your addiction, but we're cool about it. But America also has issues of not giving you the full answer. They're like, here's... Yeah. Here you go. It's, you kinda, it's very superficial, you know? Yeah. It's like just treating... Okay, yeah, you may be preventing some transmissible, transmissible disease that's occurring with, like, use, but you're not treating the root cause of why this is happening. Yeah. Kind of just like aiding it along. And also um, allowing opportunity for other people. Yeah. To like people that are contemplating using. They're like, oh, well, I heard the government is issuing clean clean tools to, to a use and it's safe. So that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But do you think that the government has their own ignorance on the simple fact that, like, they assumed everybody's going to self-govern, but they... Like, I'm talking about on the basic level. I'm not talking about the overall picture with, like... Uh, I mean, it's seen in the past two years, we've seen what the government, their big picture is, versus, like, them doing in this step is... So what you're saying is, they, do you think that they're issuing this this pipe and information packet? Like well, it's that not really would... them issuing pipes. It's actually like the nipple to it and then the burner. So it's technically a the, crap pipe. The pipes? Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw So, that. I mean, that's, that's what they were trying to justify for the sense. But, like, do you think that they just assumed that we we're going to self-govern for a crack <laughs> it's kind no. of stupid when you think about it it's, I mean it's all a bunch of rambles anyways I don't if man. they really wanted to treat the problem they would put help in place that would it would be more geared towards you know um, psychological intervention of why these people yeah. are where they are in this point in their life Do you what, think, what happened for yeah. them to get here do you think that what Portugal is doing is the. I mean, they don't have any issue. I don't know anything. I about mean, Portugal. I would like to know their statistics more, but I like, I think that's a route to go. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it would be a more true libertarian future. Yeah. And in a sense of like, you actually can control and maintain, like, mm -hmm. you know, like. But at the end of the day, like, I get, like, what their government's doing, but that's not what, like, I don't give a shit if you smoke crack. Because that doesn't affect my life. Yeah, I don't but, smoke crack. But these tolls and whatever there is, it's all like taxpayer issued. Yeah. You know? 
So, I mean, it's... But, and, and it's also, I mean, I guess we... It depends. Because it's so complicated. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you're fueling a fire of, like, bringing this community and inevitably a generation of people who are like beginning to normalize this type of behavior you know with like Portland looks like shit on Instagram and it's like you have like this whole section of Portland now that's like just falling into I don't even know I mean it looks like a throwable country and it's like there's people where who used to live there and that was their home and it's like you know it would have been nice to visit Pacific Northwest. I've considered visiting Portland at one point in my life, but it's like, you know, uh, how about now? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's 100%, but Portland, Portland's fucking weird on its own levels, and I think it's also, Portland has gone so far one way that it can't recover, because even before this whole shit that's been happening now, Portland was still the same way, and it's just like it's got to be worse though than it was before, because I they, think it's I, I don't think it's worse. I don't think you get worse than what you are when you already hit the first level of being terrible. But haven't they decriminalized heroin and they decriminalized all the like drugs? The yes, yeah. they did. So now there's, I mean, from what I'm seeing, there was a lot. There is a growth of. You know all of these users and abusers and <laughs> in the city and it's like is the mic okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just doesn't seem like the problem is being solved you know what i mean yeah no it's not i mean they're not doing it the right way they are trying to find a solution to a problem while they're digging inside of the hole yeah and that that kind of behavior is bleeding onto the east coast. It more, is more northeast, not really down here so much, thankfully yet. But I mean, it's going to happen cross board because, like, I think once we become overpopulated with people in the sense of wanting, I mean, they're just there's a lot of people. They're making here. a lot of bums. Yeah, that's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, they're making they a lot of bums. But, it, yeah, there there's a lot of people that are kind of fleeing that because they see it. Like, the people like you and I who are have their life mostly together, we're not using on the street and, you know. Yeah. We've made and, better no, choices. No, it's, it's but, terrible. Like, there's a lot of people that are leaving and yeah. they're coming over here now. And it's changing everything over here. But they keep doing it. That's their philosophy. They keep doing it. They try to make things progressive. They try to That's why that guy wrote that book about progressivism in cities. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but like Raleigh like 5 6 years ago mm-hmm. was yeah. a beautiful city. It was cheap, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was living in Apex for $500 a month. Yeah, not today. And up until 2015. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 120% of that now. <laughs> Oof. Big <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but. I mean, anyways. So, thank you, Jill, for being on this podcast. You're thank welcome. you for yeah. actually. You're actually the one that was just like, yo, we should do a podcast. And I was just like, I haven't done one in a while, <laughs> but. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll definitely have you. I mean, we, you and I have such in depth. I know. I mean, it would have been longer, but (laughs) I think we already had our fucking seven hours of conversation where me and you is. We spend so much time. So, for people that don't know, me and Jill spends a lot of times having conversations about life and science and like just politics, politics, shit posting, global events, <laughs> memes. Just, yeah, yeah, we just shit post the whole time. Um, but thank you for so much for being on this episode and thank everyone for listening like I said from the beginning and I'll keep saying this and I harp on this because it's huge to me um suicide awareness man like I don't care if you were in the military or not like life is too fucking good to just end yourselves and go seek some help go talk to a buddy I guarantee you send a text to a friend that you think is really good they will have a conversation with you. And until next time.